Welcome everyone to CDO's Magazine series of one-on-one interviews with CDOs, data leaders, and key influencers. I'm your host, Robert Lutton, Vice President Sandal Consultants, and I'm coming to you today from Toronto, Canada, working with the CDO Magazine. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Chris Stevens. Chris is a CDO, Chief Data Officer, in residence at Insight Partners and an adjunct faculty at the Carnegie Mellon University. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Robert. It's great to be here. Do you have any advice on what the best path may be to ensure that an organization's metadata is kept up to date and relevant so that it can provide that valuable context for the data scientists and analysts? If you ask me a million questions, almost every one of them, I'm going to answer with some kind of, you know, I, I grew up at Pivotal. We were like extreme programming, right. you know, serious agilists, right? So my answer is all kind of spawned from that, right? So. The idea that you're going to engage in active metadata and get a large organization in, engaged in the way that I just kind of described from 100,000 right. feet twice, that's like overwhelming in size, right. scope, and change. Yeah. But naturally, it's finding a, a valuable use case and starting small, right? And kind of building a coalition of people. It's a little bit like why, in my opinion, data governance has been so hard in the enterprise. It, it's not not that it's not hard, but in a in a bank in a regulated industry, it it's not negotiable, right? Right, right. And it's not really right. negotiable in non-regulated industries either. But it's harder to get traction from people because you're asking them to do something different and to change how they operate, right? And so connecting what you're trying to do with as the data leader with active metadata to the value that other people would get from that, I think is the most important thing. There was an example, and this isn't entirely active metadata, but it right. kind of is. <clears throat> when I was at American Eagle, you know, we kicked off our data governance program. And, you know, it, you know, we were struggling at first, probably like lots of data governance programs and they get kicked off because everyone's kind of like, yeah, I think we should do that, but this doesn't sound important or interesting or whatever. I don't know how you, <laughs> what, what right. yes, Chris, go do that, right? Yeah. And so we found a use case where it was difficult to merchandise some of our items on the website because they didn't have good metadata, by the way, but they didn't have good attributes mapped in our systems. Like, does this have a collar? Is it long sleeve or short sleeve? What shade of blue is it? That kind of stuff, right? And so we ended up taking this example. I'm vastly oversimplifying it. But then, and we told it as a story. You started off talking about storytellers or whatever. Mm -hmm. That We told it as a story, kind of like the... um, I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. Right. Yeah. yeah, You didn't grow up in this country. You may not relate to that analogy, but, um, you know, like a, almost like a cartoonish version of like for the e-commerce site merchandising team, metadata matters to you for this reason and the governance of it. That was what we were doing. And then you work your way through the organization and you make it relatable to each different team in a slightly different way. Right. And it comes down to like, you know, aligning incentives and helping people get what they want out of the thing that you're asking them to do. Like the site merchandising team wants to merchandise more stuff and sell more stuff. Being involved sure. in managing the metadata makes that possible for them. The people and, and that it, designed this stuff nine months ago, yeah. you know, hadn't thought about metadata at all. You know, they want their items to be sold and successful and and whatever. So, you, you know, you build this narrative around how the things that different people want across the organization are tied to 
in this case, your your management of metadata? I think you mentioned it right at the beginning, right? Which is, you know, outcome-based or use case-based. So when you look at the best path, you can't do the big bang approach, but certainly look at the uh, the uh, the outcome or a use case scenario, which may be able to help you on that. Uh, regarding data activation, uh, now this is a new term to me. Uh, actually had to Google what it meant. So, uh, but uh, any thoughts or best practices and how you can ensure an organization, and, and it might actually be worthwhile, I'll just tell you from my point of view, data activation, when I looked it up, is the concept of unlocking value in data through development of insights and turning those insights into action. Again, we may be able to, on the verge of leveraging AI here, but in regarding data activation, any thoughts or best practices in how an organization can ensure that their data is being used effectively and well, uh, well across the organization, that they can encourage collaboration and data sharing, and that they can ensure that data is being used to drive meaningful insight within the organization. Any thoughts, best practices, and how the, an organization may accomplish those, especially if you bundle up into data activation? Yes, there, there's no, yeah, I feel like you just asked me 12 questions. There's no way I'm gonna remember all of them. So if I don't, uh, pull me back. No, okay. no, just use something in a but, summation kind of data but, activation. But data activation, I, I, I think about two important elements. The first one is as data professionals, right? And technologists, we love interesting new ideas, interesting technology, innovation. We love data. That's why we do yeah. this. At least hopefully we do, right? And so and there's a lot of wonderful guidance out there in the world in terms of how to think about your stack, how to think about your platform, right? The Insight Partners team just published a really interesting article about thinking about the new stack as it relates to AI. All of us data people are probably aware of Martin Casado's, um, I forget what it's called, but he kind of diagrams out like the modern data stack, right? And what I'm sort of warning other data professionals against is like being too inwardly focused and thinking about my data stack, right? I want to enable self-service, you know, ETL or, or transformation. So there's tools out there that enable me to do that. And you get a little too internally focused on building the capabilities, the functionality of the stack, right? And so what I love about this notion of what I think is an emerging category of activation is the whole reason that you have this stack in the first place, and I don't, it, frankly, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the quote unquote modern data stack, if it's cloud-based or in your data center, if it's what some people would call legacy technologies or not, if you take, I've always said, if you give me the right problem, any, probably not a mainframe, but just about <laughs> any, you know, theoretically legacy technology, previous generation or whatever, might be the right solution for that. By the way, especially if you already have one in your data center or in your arsenal, right? right? And so uh, it's like guidance around don't get in true internally focused on building a stack, right? My value as a senior director of data engineering is going to be migrating from X legacy stack to new modern data stack. And that's the thing that people are going to be dazzled by, right? No, it's it's using the data to generate however you were the, the definition you read, using your data to create value for your business, to create value for your customers, you know, solving problems for your customers. Right. 
And what does that layer look like that lives on top of, interacts with your data stack, whether it's the quote unquote modern data stack, whether you're going all in on one of the hyperscalers and their data tooling, whether you've got some, by the way, like everybody does, some mix of last generation stuff in your data center and some of the new stuff, right? It's it's meant to just bring your focus back to like you're solving business problems, right? What I've seen is like a another like half step back from what is it, what does that even mean? Right? Mean data driven. And what I've seen is a hyper focus because we're people on building systems and processes that allow people to make more informed decisions. Super important. Right. Not yep. saying that's not important, that is super important for your business. But my hypothesis would be that sometime in the future, when you feel like your organization is data-driven, whatever that means, right? That 80 or 90% of the decisions made in your organization are gonna be made by machines, made by processes, by automation. That doesn't mean they're all AI, like. I'm not going right. on record saying that, but it just means that like in retail, right? A, a place like American Eagle merchandises hundreds of thousands of items a year. People don't decide on the order of all of them anymore. Certainly not online, right? right? A machine does that. Yeah. There's recommendation systems and they can be relatively simple, straightforward, collaborative filtering that's making the recommendations. It doesn't have to be AI, right? But it's a machine, my point is, that's making that recommendation. It's automation. That's making that decision, right? Yeah. So as a data leader, I'm always challenging my teams or the folks that I work with to keep that in mind or the executives that I've worked in and around that our goal isn't better BI. That's part of it for sure. I want to give people all the information and the context and everything else. We talk about active metadata, all the things. I want to give them all that. I want to give them self self service discovery for questions they hadn't thought of. Yeah, all these things, right? Right. But that's people, right? And like I said, I contend that eighty or ninety percent of your decisions as an organization, when you feel like you're mature and data driven, will not involve people in the middle of the decision, right? That Netflix recommends movies to you differently than it does to me. There right. isn't a report that goes to someone at Netflix that looks and says, oh, give Robert these movies, oh, give Chris, yeah. right? These are automated things. And so that's my contention. So when you think about designing the systems, building your strategy, do I need a knowledge graph or not? What does active metadata mean to me? All the other stuff we talked about. Keeping in mind that you're ideally building towards this future where most of the decisions are made not by a person. And again, that doesn't mean AI, but that there's some automated process where a machine is interacting with a customer or another system and making a decision on your behalf. I want to follow on with one last question because it it is related to that. But however, I will give you just a mention the fact that insightpartners.com, which is your website, I believe you got available information for people that can go out there and have a look to see these white papers, the stack white paper you talked about. So uh, for our people listening to this video, uh, please feel free to go and visit insightpartners.com. One of the critical things that you, I, I thought you were just going to automatically lead into it because we'd we'd had a discussion about the cultural maturity. As we get more and more comfortable with perhaps the automation that uh, that we are driving towards, whether it's AI supported or not, there's a change, a cultural maturity that I think is coming that we're partly the way through. 
how would you suggest maybe an organization look on building some of the building blocks as they become more data-driven within the organization? Thoughts on that, uh, Chris? Yeah, I, I think that, to be honest, like that to me is the most important mm. part of this entire discussion. Right. That whether we're back to talking about AI or not, whether we're back to talking about trust in your data and, and I just want dashboards or whatever, right? Right. Any of those things. It it all, all of it comes down to the people at the end of the day, right? Right. Do we have the whole tech stack figured out? I don't know, probably not entirely. No, but, but that'll happen. That will come. To my point, like, give me the right problem. And there's, you know, multitude of options in terms of how to build the tech stack to serve the thing, right? That you're talking about. This is another sort of like, I don't know, like advice or guidance for, for chief data officers or data technology folks is, you know, we've all seen these analytics maturity scales, right? And I always kind of talk yes. about one going from one to 10. Yeah. And sure, our job in the data office is to build the systems that enable that growth and maturity to happen, right? But the more important part of it, honestly, is on the other side. I don't imagine the 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 scale like bisects my screen here, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying down here are all of us tech people in the data officer technology building the systems and whatnot that enable people to systems and people to grow in their analytics maturity. What what's on the other side are people, business people that are trying to make decisions, and yeah. you can't. It's, I don't mean that you have to go through the process linear, linearly, but you sort of can't skip a step. You can't go from people making decisions on gut instinct or even just basic reporting and inject some automated decisioning. Right. Technologically, you probably could, but the people on the business side that need to absorb the change, that need to build strategies around what the data is telling them to do and all the things that those teams do, they need to go along on the journey too. And right. so you need to make sure that your, your business people are, are you know, literate, trained up and in the right place to consume, you know, maybe more advanced analytics, you know, I, I, digital twins are like my favorite thing. <laughs> but, you know, imagine you could build a digital twin of your business and then you just like gave it to somebody and you're like, here you go. You can now model all the decisions we might ever make in our business. But if they didn't go through this sort of growth of their own, right. like they're not going to, they're going to push a couple buttons. They're not going to trust the answer. Right. I, so there's yeah. this process that they need to go through to be capable of interacting with building strategies around right policies and whatnot around the kind of information or capabilities you might be, might be giving them. There's, uh, as you say, Chris, this is probably the most important question we can be discussing today, that along with ethics, because we are in this huge upheaval that's just been, that's come out since November with these launching of these AIs and how AI will actually be able to help us. We've been going that way over the last decade, decade and a half. Technology has been getting more and more interesting. But uh, I, for this particular session, uh, Chris, we're actually out of time, but I, I would like to thank you for your time today, for your knowledge, for your support of the CDO Magazine. And on behalf of the CDO Magazine, we would like to thank you for your time and insights. Uh, and we hope that we get a chance to have you come back and share your knowledge uh, 
especially on the AI side of the house again in the future. I would love that. Yeah, thank you very much. This has been wonderful. Thanks for your time, Robert. You know, Natalie, thanks for 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 joining us, and uh, this has been great. Thank you. And for our listeners, please visit cdomagazine.tech for additional interviews. Thank you.